Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Renee, and this is Embodied Astrology. Embodied Astrology is an ongoing project that I have as a somatic movement educator and body researcher, as an artist, as a person who loves astrology and really wants to know how it works here on Earth. In this podcast, you're going to hear me talk about astrology as a way to understand what's going on in our lives and really try and apply it to our physical sensations, relationships, politics, etc. This is a collective horoscope for Aries season. And Aries season this year, as always, every year begins on the equinox, March 20th. Um, And this year also happens to coincide with the full moon in Libra. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about the full moon. I'm going to be doing a little bit of a look ahead into the month, 30 days or so of Aries season, um, including the Aries new moon on April 5th and a second full moon in Libra on the last day of Aries season, which is April 19th. And I'll be thinking about some general themes for this month ahead. This is a collective horoscope, and what you need to understand about that is that astrology is happening, and it's happening for all of us. We're all alive here on Earth, experiencing the seasons as they change and the planetary alignments as uh, those vibrations and resonances are coming down onto Earth. And the way that I understand astrology is that it's a tool. It's a way that we can talk about things that are invisible, like feelings or cultural momentum or how to make meaning out of something. Because life feels really confusing a lot for me, probably for you too. And I think that astrology is such an amazing resource to be able to understand what kind of meanings we can make out of things or how to locate the opportunities in moments of challenge or how to work with the challenges to get to the opportunities. And that's the approach that I'm taking. So I'm going to be describing the astrology of this month and to understand how it's working specifically for you, you want to apply it to your chart. And for those of you that are experienced with astrology, already know your placements, you can just do that. Um, if you're newer to astrology or you don't really know what I'm talking about, check out the playlist that's linked to this track that's called How to Listen to Your Horoscopes. And in that playlist, you're going to find intros for all 12 signs, and I'm going to tell you which signs relate to which areas of life. And basically what I'm talking about is what's called the house system in Western astrology. And if you're interested in working with this deeper, then uh, sign up to become a monthly subscriber with Embodied Astrology. And when you sign up, you'll get a little handbook, a PDF called Embodied Astrology Basics. And in that handbook, you're going to get awesome information about uh, signs, planets, houses and aspects and how to kind of track astrology. I've been making some new calendars that um, give you a a whole month ahead look um, and have like daily, you know, journal (laughs) uh, places and you get all of the aspects, you get tools for interpreting, and then you get a a whole write-up. And all of that is available for subscribers, and you can subscribe at any amount per month. So head over to Embodied Astrology and um, check it out. 
on the link that says subscribe and you'll find all the information there. So I will pause there um, and just say that please listen to the end of this horoscope where I'm going to talk about upcoming events. I have some upcoming classes that I'm offering and uh, discounts that I'm giving for classes. Subscribers get discounts to everything. And then uh, I'll also talk a little bit more about the Aries birthday report. And just quickly to mention that I've made um, a birthday report for Aries sun and Aries rising. And so if you want a special expanded horoscope for you, you can find that at embodiedastrology.com as well and linked to um, the, the post for this episode, March 20th, 2019. Okay, so listen at the end for all that info and now let's get into the astrology. We are starting Aries season, and uh, this is the time of year that extends between March 20th and April 20th. Um, It's the time of year that begins at the vernal equinox. Uh, So Western astrology or tropical astrology works with the tropics, i.e. the Tropic of Cancer, the Tropic of Capricorn. Um, Right now, the Earth is in alignment with the Sun in our yearly rotation in such a way that creates equal nights and equal days. And so that's what happens. at the beginning of Aries, it's also what happens at the beginning of Libra, Aries opposite sign. Libra is very important for Aries all the time. Many astrologers will agree that though there are 12 signs, there are really six polarities. And so the signs are working with each other all of the time. And this is basically how it works, that I can be in the Northern Hemisphere and describing Aries up here as the season of spring, but it's also applicable to all of you listening in the Southern Hemisphere where it's the beginning of autumn. It's because Aries and Libra work together. And when we cross this threshold into spring or into fall, we're in a time of balance. And as a symbol, balance exists uh, internally in our own sphere and also externally in our relationships. And the Aries-Libra axis speaks to this uh, most profoundly in the entire zodiac, is the balance between oneself and other people. And before I go any further, I just want to make a quick you know, PSA, which is that everyone has every sign in their chart. And just because someone is born during the season of Aries, and maybe they have an Aries sun, doesn't actually make them... Uh, more Aries than a person who was born um, in another time of the year, perhaps, Um, especially if someone has a lot of planets in Aries. So someone could be born, say, in the season of um, Virgo, but have a whole bunch of planets in Aries. And so they have a lot of Aries energy. Um, But regardless of whether you have planets in a sign, you still have that sign somewhere in your chart. And so when I'm talking about a sign, I'm trying to talk about what it is for all of us. So listen to your intros. Where is Aries for you? What Aries is, wherever it happens to be in your chart, is the place where you are trying to figure out who you are. It's identity. It's a sense of self. And how we navigate our sense of self is always in relationship. If you're just off alone, floating out in space, or you know, on the top of a mountain. You can be in communion with all kinds of things. You can have such far out experiences. You can know yourself as the divine, as the exquisite, as that rock or tree or whatever. But then you come into contact with another human being 
and you deal with communicating with them and whether or not they understand you and how they're looking at you and do they care that you knew a moment ago that you were the divine and right now you're asking them to hand you that cup of coffee. How we meet other people in relationship is the testing space for how we meet ourselves. And the Aries Libra wisdom is this balance. It's getting to know ourselves, applying our self-knowledge in relationship. And I don't know about you, uh, I'm in some relationships, all kinds of relationships, and they are wonderful and they're also incredibly challenging. And oftentimes they're both at the same time. And one of the things that I find most wonderful about my relationships is how I grow in them. And uh, when people that I'm relating with give me feedback and they go, Renee, like, I love it when you do this or you're like that, or Renee, when you do this or you're like that, I don't love it. And this is why it allows me to actually get a sense of myself because when I exist on my own, as I said about you know, being on top of a mountain, I spend a lot of time alone looking at astrology charts and, you know, I'm like figuring all this stuff out and having all these realizations and digging into, you know, whatever ancestral patterns and thinking about cultural evolution. And then I have to like go and make sense with someone and pay attention to them and maybe, um, give space and time for things that, are not the places where I feel really excited or adept. And in the relationships that I'm in, uh, I falter. And then I also am able to, to give a lot. And most of the time, I don't know what that feels like for anyone else. I'm just kind of in my own experience of it. And the benefit of relationships is that I know whether or not the things that I'm thinking that I'm doing are actually what I'm doing or if they're working. I'm recalling my best friend's dad um, told me once, I think I was about 12 years old, and he said, uh, relationships are like a whole bunch of people in glass-walled cubicles, and everybody's looking at each other and on the phone to each other, but everyone's in their own cubicle. And that image has really stuck with me for a long time uh, because it continues to resonate And it doesn't resonate all the time. I have experiences where I feel very close, very connected, like we're in the same cubicle or maybe the same body. Um, But those experiences inevitably end. And then I have another experience where like we're in the cubicle and we're maybe not even dialing the right number to get to each other. And maybe there's something filmy on the glass and I can't even see that person over there. So this is a big theme for all of us, right? Relationships. How are we in them? How are we going to be ourselves? How do we know who we are? As we get into Aries season, we get into the one of the turning points of the year. And whatever state of balance we are in on the first day of Aries season inevitably is going to uh, evolve into a state of, it's not imbalance, but maybe more of an extreme. So in the Northern Hemisphere, we're moving into the time of year when there's more light. In the Southern Hemisphere, you're moving into the time of the year where there's less light. And these moments of balance are the moments that Aries and Libra teach us about. 
when we come into balance with ourselves, when we reach a place of equanimity within ourselves, then we come into balance with other people. When we're imbalanced with other people, we're not balanced in ourselves and vice versa. So big lesson with this uh, axis and polarity. Now, this lesson is uh, underlined a million times on the first day of Aries this year. Um, Again, because we have the full moon, so the light of the moon is reflecting the Aries sun, but the Aries sun is infused with Chiron as it comes into the sign of Aries. And Chiron entered Aries last month in February. And if you listen to previous uh, horoscopes and podcasts, I've talked about it quite a lot. And um, in this month's subscriber edition, I have a a whole write-up on Chiron. And I have a class coming up on April 6th uh, specifically to look at Chiron and try and work it out in the chart. Like, what does it mean for you? So if you're interested in this planet... Um, check that out. I'm really fascinated with Chiron. I've been um, obsessed with it for the last couple of months preparing for this class. And it is such a powerful energy. Um, Melanie Reinhardt, who's one of the authors I've been reading, says in one of her books that when you get in touch with this energy, um, really wild stuff starts to happen. And Chiron is one of... uh, a number of planets called the centaur planets. And um, these planets are associated by astrologers to uh, work with ancestral themes. And since I've started working with Chiron, I've had visitations from ancestors. I'm not kidding. I've had a lot of understanding about my own body. I've had a lot of understanding about... um, And when I say my own body, I mean my embodied habits and my reactivity, as I was talking about earlier. And I've had a lot of understanding about healing and the way that I want to be a a teacher and a healer, um, which are two identities that Chiron um, is very closely associated with. So Chiron is... um, an interesting planet in that it has an elliptical orbit. It spends uh, quite a long time in some signs. It spends the longest time in Pisces, where it just was, and in Aries, where it is now. And then uh, a shorter amount of time in uh, the opposite sign in Libra. I think it only spends about 10 months or something. Um, And because of its elliptical orbit, it is very irregular. So it'll spend... um, you know, different amounts of time in each sign. And the last time it was in Aries was 1968 to 1977. And if you just kind of think back to that era and what you associate to it, um, there's quite a, I think, palpable energy to that time. So when I think back to that era in 1968, um, of course, I'm in the U.S., and so my perspective is very U.S.-centric, but I'm thinking, of course, of um, kind of what happened. I think Martin Luther King Jr. was shot a, a day or a couple of days after Chiron went into Aries, and this kind of um, upheaval and like fracturing of the civil rights movement into a lot of different movements, and I, th- I think um, the the collection of something that had been building in the United States that especially with Dr. King, that he was making a lot of um, associations for people, helping people understand that um, issues that uh, black 
and African Americans um, were facing were not separate from issues that poor white Americans were facing, and that the issues we were facing here domestically were not separate from the Vietnam War, which was happening at that time. And I believe that um, he was shot, I may be incorrect with this, but I think that he was shot almost exactly one year after he had made that link between uh, domestic policy and international policy and was really starting to gain some momentum and kind of wake people up to the ways that um, oppression in the United States was also the same as as oppression and exploitation or violence uh, around the world and the way that the U.S. was situating itself um, in both places. And splintering people from each other, fracturing people from each other. And at that moment, um, you know, I think a a lot was kind of being birthed into popular modern consciousness, um, especially when it comes to psychology and spirituality and kind of a, a deeper analysis of what it means to be human. And the 1960s were such a a pivotal time in modern consciousness and a time when I think a lot of people shed um, thousands of years of conditioning, you know, and a a lot of um, pretty negative and harmful ideas about gender. I mean, the, the women's rights movement at that time and and, and race, I think what was happening in civil rights at that time and definitely in psychology, um, modern psychology was kind of birthed at that time. So a lot of, of opening and a lot of awakening, um, the last time Chiron was in Aries. And of course, with Aries as the sign of the individual, uh, Chiron coming into Aries is then going to act in this energy. And so now as I'm talking about Chiron, um, you want to reference wherever Aries is for you, whatever part of life this is. Because over the course of the next nine years, Chiron will be here until 2027, eight, nine years. Um, the process that we're in is a process of healing. And what Chiron does is it links the orbits of Saturn and Uranus with its very irregular orbit. And in the linking, it basically, the symbol is, is that it takes Uranian insight and Uranus is this planet that awakens us and helps us get free of of things that kind of entrap us or um, have conditioned us to some kind of complacency. So Chiron takes that awakening and then it brings it into the sphere of Saturn and Saturn is about manifesting and working with the material realm. As I was saying, you can be on a mountain, you can meditate for days, you can have so many different awakenings and, you know, figure a whole lot of stuff out. And then you go and try and have like a conversation over dinner with your family and you fucking break down and lose your shit and forget all the things that you learned. And maybe anyone that's gone to a meditation retreat knows that experience. It's like you can get, you you understand a lot, but then the practice of it is something completely different. And with Chiron specifically, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about an awakening and then an application and an integration. And the awakening is through the subtle bodies with Chiron. It's through um, the layers of conditioning that we have that create our reactivity. And as Chiron travels through Aries these next eight, nine years or so, all of us have the opportunity to awaken and to integrate. And some of us will take that opportunity up and some of us will not. 
And what it looks like when you don't is that you um, maybe realize something and then push it away. I can't deal with that. It's too painful. It's too much. You know, if I let that in, then my identity is going to crumble. So again, Aries is the identity and it's the ego. A lot of what's going to come up in, in this next bit of time is content that will really change us. We will have to change our identities. Particularly, I think for a lot of us, you know, the, the things that Chiron reveals um, have to do with pain. And so as we become aware of our pain, we are also becoming aware of the ways that we inflict and perpetuate pain for others, for ourselves and for others. And if we can tolerate that, if we can stay with the sensation and continue to work with it, we can get free of it. We can resolve it. We can learn from it. We can teach others, you know, don't make that mistake. Like there's another way we can help others heal from their pain. But if we don't stick with it, if we deny it, or if we reject it, uh, what ends up happening is that we smear it on the world and basically make things worse. And I think that that is kind of a, a common theme among the centaur uh, group of, of planets is um, you can do this bit of healing and you can change the trajectory of evolution. It, you can change the way that things could be for your children or your grandchildren. You've inherited uh, whatever you have from your ancestry and the ways that you felt pain. I mean, most of us, they have parental origins or they have some kind of lineage origin. And for most of our parents, you know, those origins go really far back. And so what Chiron gives us is the opportunity to do healing work for our ancestry and then for our future. So we become healed ancestors for the uh, generations of the future. If we don't take up the work, we make it worse. We make the pain worse. We compound it. When you realize that there's something that's wretched in your being, when you realize that there's a way that pain has been inflicted upon you and you become conscious of it, if at that point you perpetuate it, the pain becomes so much worse because then you carry the guilt and then you carry the shame and then... uh, all of this residual stuff starts to build up and, and the soul kind of rots. You know, stuff is, is unconscious in us and we act it out all the time and we're creating and perpetuating pain. But it's different when we know that that's what we're doing. That pain then is going to be um, so much more intense because of everything that it's layered with. So the opportunity with Chiron and Aries, don't make it worse. Heal yourself, heal your ancestors, heal your future. Um, It is not a coincidence that at this moment in time, there are so many people who are interested in and being exposed to trauma therapy and ancestral healing work. Uh, Up until the last year, I had never really heard of ancestral healing. It wasn't a concept that was foreign to me, but as a term, it wasn't really in my, um, you know, neighborhood of awareness. 
uh, not to say that it wasn't happening. It definitely was, but, um, in the circles that I move in, which are tend to be circles of, of healers and body workers and yoga teachers and spiritual workers, um, I hear about things pretty soon, you know, uh, definitely more than like mainstream popular culture. And in the last year, it's everyone's talking about ancestral healing. And it's a theme that's come up very strongly for me in my work with astrology, but it's a theme that I'm seeing everywhere. And this is how our collective consciousness works. And it's to be embraced, you know, when, when all of us are interested in something and everybody's learning something, it's like we have the chance to uplift and elevate together. And it's so important, I think, to not... Uh, get stingy with it or like be fundamentalist or try and claim ownership over any particular style. The fact that so many people are doing these kinds of things in so many different ways is really positive, I think really exciting. And um, there's a lot of resources right now for this work because we're going to need them in the in this next decade or so of Chiron's transit through Aries. We are at a pivotal turning point in human consciousness. We can... Um, decide to wake up right now. I think that there's actually quite a lot of opportunity. I'm going to talk about some of how I'm seeing that opportunity in the current astrology. Um, but there's, I think there is a chance for us <laughs> to not um, decimate the planet, to uh, get into better relationship with each other and with our environments. But if we're going to get there, we have to heal. And if we're going to heal, we have to have support. We have to have some, some tools. Um, we have to have basic safety and enough time and resources to not be constantly triggered and in states of trauma. That's real. And then we also need some skills. And there are a lot of people right now who are trained and training in trauma therapies. So if you're interested, um, get on Google, search uh, somatic experiencing, search EMDR, search um, trauma therapy, ancestral healing, Hakomi method, Gestalt. Um, there are so many different methods. I don't know them all. Uh, and then of course, the methods of the occult, astrology, tarot, uh, mediumship, any kind of divination that can bring you into relationship with the resonance uh, in the spiritual realm. Believe in it, try it, give it a go. I think you might be really surprised and um, supported in this and encourage your people to get out there. And so I'm assuming that if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing ancestral healing, you know, forever and way into tarot and you're not surprising me, but let's all work on our family members right now and give them the resources, give them the books, send them the Ted talks, talk about it at dinner. You know, when you're with your family that you, um, are trying to figure out how to talk about politics with, see if you can talk about their lineage and patterning around trauma and make it really personal for them and then build a bridge from their experience to the experience of another group of people. And the more that we can understand uh, that our healing, our personal healing is the collective healing, I think the um, obviously the more healing we'll have. And I really feel like that is a potential in this coming transit and a gift that Chiron is is here to give us. 
So at the full moon, at the moment that the sun moves into Aries, um, the sun moved into Aries, I should say, a couple of hours ago. I'm recording this and the full moon will be exact in just about half an hour. Um, so this day, uh, the sun is moving into conjunction with Chiron and Chiron's light is infusing the sun and the sun is where our consciousness is. It's the things that we're thinking about and not thinking about so much, but experiencing and expressing and vibrating with. And then we have this reflection of the moon at zero degrees Libra, which is basically saying, uh, bring it into relationship, bring it into negotiation with difference, try it out integrate it with the people around you. And both the sun and the moon are square to another centaur planet called Pholus. And Pholus is right in the beginning of Capricorn. It's a very slow moving point as well. And this gives the message that um, a huge amount of energy uh, can be released. And I say can in, in an italicized can, because it's not for certain that it's going to be released. But there's this feeling of a huge amount of energy and momentum behind something. And whether or not we can self-reflect and talk about it with each other uh, will um, kind of determine how this energy then comes out. And a really important word, I think, in uh, describing Aries and Libra is accountability. And accountability is the ability to account, to reflect, to hear someone's feedback, to go, okay, this is your experience. It might not be my experience, but it's true for you. And so what does that mean about what is true for me? And can I look at the ways that I'm unconscious? Can I look at the things that are invisible for me? Can I claim my own experience? And it's important to be able to speak for ourselves, to speak from our own experience, to call ourselves out and to call ourselves in. It's also really important for us to be able to listen to one another and listen to the feedback. And this is a dance that we're in. We're learning to communicate with each other. We're learning to listen. The more we learn to listen to ourselves, the more we can listen to others. In the listening, there's a huge amount that can come out. We can release a whole lot of energy if we can calm down enough to listen. The other side of this, of course, is the way that you know it seems to go in, in politics or like these kind of larger displays of humanity where it seems like nobody's listening and everybody's shouting and blaming each other and projecting a lot. And then there's a whole lot of energy that keeps accumulating and then ends up being really explosive. So that's definitely a strong um, influence at the time of the full moon and the equinox. And um, one of the the ways that Pholus is sometimes described is as uh, something getting uncorked. And so the energy of the sun and the moon in opposition to one another and Chiron, of course, with the sun is pressing on this cork. (laughs) It's pushing it out. And uh, Pholus, in turn, is trying to Uranus. Uranus has just entered the sign Taurus. Um, Taurus, in your chart, is the place that now for the next seven years um, will receive this Uranian kind of uh, change up. And Uranus is a planet that changes things. It creates dramatic shifts. It 
causes upheaval. It's surprising. Sometimes it's chaotic. Sometimes it is traumatic. But it can be liberating and it can be innovating as well. Um, Uranus moving into Taurus is this energy of change and liberation and trauma and chaos moving into the sign that most is, is most closely associated with um, materials, with uh, the material realm of the earth itself, of all of our bodies, and of what makes our body uh, food and wealth. So food and wealth uh, were not always different things. Maybe they aren't now. They definitely go together. Um, and of course, all wealth comes from the earth. All food comes from the earth and is cultivated by labor, by our bodies. And so Uranus coming into the sign suggests that over the course of these next seven or eight years that Uranus is here, there's going to be a lot of change in these areas. So agriculture, economics, our actual bodies and what our bodies mean here on the planet, uh, a planet that, you know, by the way, is increasingly experiencing itself in the virtual realm, or at least the human element is, um, and bodies that are very much affected by the environment. And of course, the environment is drastically changing. We have this thing called climate change. That's something that we really need to deal with. Uranian energy can be very new energy. And as Uranus has come into Taurus, uh, there have been all the headlines about these young people all over the world striking, leaving school uh, in climate protest, and basically calling their governments to be accountable to be in relationship with them and they're going we want a future on this planet and we want our future to be healthy and what the fuck are you doing about it um as uranus uh, has been moving into taurus uh one headline that i read yesterday was that um the there was a lawsuit against monsanto that um a man who'd been using the chemical fertilizer weed killer um that Monsanto produced, for, I think, for some amount of decades, had developed skin cancer and had proven that he um, had developed cancer because of the chemicals that Monsanto is using, and he won his case. And this is really big. This is significant. Monsanto is kind of like one of those too big to fail, like evil entities that um, you know has just done all kinds of atrocious, I mean, horrific kinds of things, like um, you know, basically like selling farmers sterile seeds so that they're forced to buy new seed every year. And then uh, those seeds, you know, drift off into a neighboring farm and then Monsanto will sue the neighboring farmer for patent violation and shit like that. Or the the chemicals that they use, you know, are, are causing cancer and all kinds of genetic mutations. And um, these are people making decisions to put chemicals into our ground and into our bodies. And what kind of consciousness decides to do that, I don't know. But one potential of Uranus moving into Taurus is that there's going to be a lot of shift in the agriculture industry. And uh, Big Agra is one of the main contributing factors to climate change, um, whether it's monocrops or uh, chemical fertilizers or irrigation or things like factory farming um, and, you know, the methane or the um, environmental destruction of, say, like a cattle ranch, not to mention the impact on the actual animals. And then what happens to our bodies when we eat, you know, diseased and, and unhappy flesh and chemical foods. Um, 
so Uranus coming into Taurus has a, a lot of potential, I think, to um, create some kind of, of revolution or push for some kind of change in agriculture, in food systems. There's um, a lot of potential for innovation around money and values and economies. Look to see where Taurus is in your chart or listen to the intro for Taurus uh, to know where Taurus is because in this place, you really want to be redefining your relationship with wealth and with value. It's one of the main ideas that's associated to Taurus is value. What's important? How do you sustain yourself basically? And Uranus coming in is, uh, you know, Uranus is kind of a, the bringer of the Aquarian age in some ways. We might think of it like that as one of the co-rulers of the sign Aquarius. And Aquarian intelligence is that we have everything that we need right here in the communities that we have. And when we look uh, to each other and when we work collaboratively and collectively, we can provide for ourselves. And we can work for the good of everyone and the good of everyone can support the individuals. We can figure this out. You know, we don't need these big companies to supply us. And there are amazing activists all over the world who have been working with food justice for a long time and uh, many who are killed um, or disappeared regularly. Um, But get on the Google, you know, and <laughs> look up food justice and find a neighbor, uh, neighboring CSA to get involved with. That's community supported agriculture, small farms, figure out how to grow your own food, um, learn about permaculture, biodynamic gardening, organic gardening. Um, again, so many resources. And I kind of digressed back into the food conversation. I think it's in my mind. Um, And I was going into the economies um, conversation, which is that we can provide for ourselves. We can figure out how to share. Um, So a lot of different uh, alternative economies that are possible that people have been working with also for a long time, sharing economies, barter economies. Um, If you have a lot of wealth and financial privilege you know, maybe it's time to um, buy a whole bunch of land and invite a whole bunch of people to come and and build a new society on it, have a new cultural experiment, or give your money to people who are doing this kind of thing. But um, over the course of the next seven, eight years, we will see a lot of changes in economies and values. So wherever Taurus is in your chart is a place to shake up your ideas of value. Now, also in Taurus is the planet Mars. And Mars is the planetary ruler of Aries. And so when I'm thinking about Aries season and uh, Chiron in Aries, it's important then to look to Aries ruler, and that's Mars. And Mars is in Taurus on the day of the equinox, and it is trine, that means 120 degrees, uh, with Pluto. And Pluto is in the sign Capricorn, and Capricorn is where Pholus is, uh, what I was mentioning a little while ago about this energy that uh, can get released or uncorked. And uh, also in Capricorn is the planet Saturn. Saturn and Pluto are in what's called an applying conjunction all year. Saturn is the faster moving planet, takes about 30 years to move around the sun. Pluto takes like 250 years to move around the sun. So Saturn is making its way into alignment with Pluto. And next January, from our point of view here on Earth, it will appear that they're in the same place in the sky. 
And this happens every 36 years or so. Um, when this happens, there is an incredible amount of energy to solidify something. But as it's happening, that means this year, there's a lot of stuff to let go of. And so this is kind of a, a contraction and a purging feeling. And the sensation that I have is like, get real. There is not time to waste. Wherever Capricorn is in your chart, there's a huge amount of energy that you can release when you, when you figure out how to be in relationships. As I was talking about with Follis, there's a huge amount of energy in relationship that can release through the Capricorn zone of your chart. And all year long, you're working on something there. We are working together to clarify our priorities and to fortify our efforts. And in fortifying whatever it is that we're laboring with or efforting with, we have to get simple. And this is one of the main lessons I think of both Capricorn and Saturn is simplicity and efficiency. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your breath with things that aren't worth it. Mars in trine with Saturn and Pluto, Mars as the ruler of Aries, is saying slow and steady wins the race. Taurus is a slow moving sign, but don't stop. Consistent effort every single day. Keep yourself on track. How are you changing? Continue to change. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, changes that happen overnight are traumatic. If you can change something over the period of a couple of months or a couple of years, it's sustainable. You want to live in that idyllic tiny house community, you know, out in the nature with your shared kitchen and your shared economy and your shared gardens. You're not going to build it in a day. Right. So what are the changes that need to be implemented now? What are the connections that need to be built now? What are the tools of relationship that need to be practiced from now until then? Set your sights on what you're looking at 10 years from now, uh, seven to 10 years from now. Uranus will take about eight years to get through Taurus. Chiron will take about eight or nine years to get through Aries. Where do you want to be then? And make a, a step-by-step, you know, playlist for yourself and think about it um, and start working on it now. And a lot of you already have, and this is something that you've already been building for the last year or so since um, Uranus made its first ingress into Taurus and Chiron made its first ingress into Aries last spring. Um, I think a lot of us have been starting to kind of piece by piece put uh, these changes into place. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you've noticed some of these changes. The collective horoscope is one change. Um, trying to simplify my workload and be more effective and efficient with it so that I can free up energy for things that feel really important to me, like um, learning to grow a garden and <laughs> paying attention to relationships and doing service work in my community. Um, these are things that are I know are going to be sustainable for me in the long term and that are really important to put my efforts into. So I have to free up time and space. And that's kind of this feeling of Saturn and Pluto coming together. What are your priorities? And don't look away. <laughs> don't, don't distract yourself right now.
Now, there's something else going on in uh, the equinox chart that I think is really important, and this is going to kind of open us up into the conversation about the rest of the month, which is that <clears throat> Mercury is retrograde, and um, it is uh, just about to come into conjunction with the planet Neptune. And the conjunction will be exact um, on the 24th, so a couple of days later. Um, but this is also the second conjunction. Mercury was conjunct Neptune a, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm forgetting the exact date right now. But anytime Mercury is retrograde, um, it usually makes three aspects with something because it's uh, such a fast-moving planet. So it'll pass another planet, and then it appears to retrograde, and then it you know, passes them again in the backwards motion, and then it stations direct and passes them a final time um, as it continues its orbit. Now, what's significant about Mercury retrograde conjunct Neptune is that it lasts so long. Um, and uh, as an astrologer who I um, really admire and listen to a lot, Eric Francis, um, you might want to check out his uh, podcast Planet Waves uh, talked about this quite a lot and gave this analysis of Neptune that I was pretty blown away by bringing in human design to it. Um, and that's not in my wheelhouse. I don't know how to talk about it, but it was really interesting to listen to. Um, and what he kept saying was, oh my God, I have never seen this. And he's been a practicing astrologer for like 40 years or something. Um, Mercury is a really fast-moving planet. It usually only comes in a conjunction with another planet for a day or a couple of hours. And Mercury is basically conjunct Neptune, I think, for like 10 days um, and or within orb of Neptune's influence. And this is really significant um, because Mercury suggests the, the mental sphere and the mind and the way that we're communicating and the way that information is being passed and spread. And wherever Mercury is, is uh, something that we're learning. It's a planet that describes learning and a, a cognitive process. And when Mercury goes retrograde, it's an important cycle in that we learn from the interior. So the retrograde or the RE words give us a chance to reflect or um, you know, remain with something for a while. We have to redo things. That's the whole point of you know, going back, going forwards, going back again, etc. And so when Mercury is retrograde, it, it turns the mental function inwards. You can think of it as the mind turning in on itself. And in the sign Pisces, Pisces is uh, associated to the psychic realm and kind of the collective unconscious, the etheric realm or the vibes layer, you know, and where do vibes come from? Only everything that's ever happened everywhere. <laughs> um, so... Mercury is turning in on itself, the mind is turning in on itself, and where the mind is, is in the dream space. And it's turning back and kind of like looking at all these images of dreams. And it's moving into conjunction with Neptune, which is the planetary ruler, the modern ruler of Pisces. And Neptune has the effect of um, making reality seem unreal, because basically reality is unreal, right? Like, if you think about what reality looked like in the 1950s and what reality looks like now, it looks really different 
and it's an expectation and the way that we frame things and how we understand ourselves and one another. And uh, there are objects and then there is the meaning that we make of them and the stories we tell about them. And the Neptune layer is kind of this dream layer of like, oh, you know, what is this? What meaning do I make out of it? It's real as long as I think it's real. And one of the things that uh, is said about Mercury stationing direct, um, which it will on um, March 28th, so just about a week after the full moon, uh, is that things become revealed when Mercury stations direct. And Mercury stationing direct uh, as it is conjunct to Neptune. And then a couple of days later on um the, the full moon, so April 5th, um, Mercury is still conjunct Neptune. And this feeling of um, the mind turning in on itself in the dream world, watching reality turn into unreality, and then something is revealed, is a really big theme for Pisces season. And wherever Pisces is in your chart is a place to kind of consider this where something is shedding right now. It is ceasing to be real. And this could be some kind of long-held belief. This could be something that you weren't paying attention to. This could be something that you've been grasping at for a long time. There's uh, potentially a softening or like an oozing... (laughs) or a leaking that's happening. It's like something is losing its grasp. And the cognitive process is watching it happen. And it's going, that is not real. I don't have to believe in that. And I don't know about you all, but like the way that news is happening right now is really tripping me out. Like I can't, I, it's like, I'm not sure if I'm living in a movie or not most days. Um, the political sphere, like I, I, what is going on? You know, we've got all of this like constant kind of onslaught of like information and exposure about how messed up all of these leaders are and how convoluted things are and like all of this stuff coming out. Um, I know that over in the UK, the Brexit deal uh, today didn't pass. And so there's turmoil, I think, in the white kind of Western uh construct of the UK and the United States around like, what are we going to be? And there's some kind of momentum that is becoming unreal um, for a lot of people. And then the other side of it or another side of it is um, another layer that's becoming unreal. And so like our perceptions are in such a weird state of malleability right now. And this has been going on for a while. So the the last couple of weeks since Mercury's been uh, in Pisces and been retrograde, you know, we've been in a very strange kind of liminal dream space. And I've been having some pretty far out experiences, a lot of really wild dreams, a lot of um, experiences not dreaming, being awake, being completely sober and feeling like I'm dreaming or feeling like I'm really high. And, uh, the people around me also feeling like that, you know, and we're just trying to eat lunch or something. And like, 
It's like, what is going on? Um, and then I am hearing it from my clients. It's like, what is going on? There are these layers that are just shedding that are becoming very unreal. Um, so this is a big theme for this month and it's going to continue all month. And as I said, at the new moon on April 5th, um, Mercury is conjunct Neptune, but it has, um, pretty much just turned direct the week before. And because when Mercury is stationing, it slows down, it is slowing down in conjunction with Neptune for almost 10 days, which is kind of wild. It means that the mind is open to this dream force and this spiritual force and this unreality force for 10 days, which is kind of a long time. And I was mentioning before Eric Francis's interpretation, and when he was talking about the human design piece, it really resonated for me. And like I said, I don't understand it, so I can't talk about it. It was something about um, some process that Neptune is in, in the human design system, which is also based on astrology. Um, but basically what he was saying is like, we're shifting into a space of more softness. And I actually believe that as fucked up as the news is and as reactive as it seems, um, I'm so touched by all of these young people protesting. And I'm so excited about the way that activism is arising. And even though there's like more extremism in some ways and this, you know, horrible shooting, uh, mass shooting in Christchurch, New Zealand, or um, kind of all over the world with white supremacists right now and terrorists and this huge uh, cyclone that hit Mozambique and uh, Zimbabwe. Um, There's devastation. And what happens in the devastation also is that there's this softening. And I've been more of a cynic and kind of like more jaded for a while. And this feeling that like, oh my God, all of this destruction is happening and it's making us more hard. It's, it's making us like shut down and numb to it. And I've felt that in myself. And something is shifting for me in the last couple of weeks, really, where I feel like I'm softening. And one of the things that I'm feeling is that the way that I shut down before was I couldn't tolerate the pain. You know, I didn't know what to do with it because what happened is like I would hear about, you know, some tragedy and immediately I would go, what can I do about it? And then I would feel hopeless. You know, it would feel futile to me. Like there's nothing I can do about it or I could devote my life to this and like it might not make any difference. And I would personalize it. And I think in large part because of studying Chiron and kind of working with this energy, one of the things I've noticed that's shifting in me is my tendency to personalize. And I'm noticing this in my personal relationships, like when, um, you know, someone is, is like upset around me, like in the past, um, my personality and ego structure, like if there are people who are upset around me, I think it's my fault. That's my patterning and habit. And then I get really uptight and like also upset that they're upset and like have to try and maneuver and like figure it out or shut down or something. And something else I've noticed is happening recently, which is basically just recognizing that, oh, they're upset and that's 
for them to work out, but I can also be present with them being upset. I can provide support and love and I can listen and I can be accountable if something has to do with me or I can try, but it's also not mine. It's not my fault. And I've noticed that in that shift, I've it's also now translating into other areas of my life where I'll hear about something and my previous uh, instinct would have been to get really overwhelmed, emotionally overwhelmed, like, oh God, there's nothing I can do about that. I don't know. And now it's, it's like I can be with the immensity of a feeling and it doesn't shut me down. And I think that this is happening for a lot of people. I, I hear other people talking about something like this. I experience in a lot of my relationships. Um, and in one relationship in particular with a person in my life that um, has been incredibly challenging to connect with and communicate with and who really hasn't been soft at all. And now there's, there's some opening, there's some permeability. Um, and I, yeah, feel like that's the potential. So maybe um, during this, you know, 10 days of Mercury with Neptune, we can really kind of get into the impersonal collective, you know, the place where we can bond or soften in our relationships with one another um, and also depersonalize it, allow one another to have the experiences, be compassionate, be sensitive, allow ourselves to be touched, but also not get into the ego bullshit of like, that's mine, I need to do something about it. And that might sound contradictory to this idea of accountability. I don't think that it is. I think accountability, um, what I continue to learn about it is not about having the right words um, or even necessarily uh, the action. It's about actually listening and allowing something to make an impression. And then from there, change arises. (laughs) And that's a process. Anyway, um, on the day of the new moon, April 5th, and I'm going to be checking back in with you that day with another collective horoscope, uh, Mercury is conjunct to Neptune and Venus is in an applying conjunction with uh, Neptune as well. So we have a lot of this benefit kind of dreamy energy available and a new moon, it's the first new moon uh, in Aries while Chiron is there. So a new moon right in the middle of the sign, right at the kind of strongest uh, point of Aries. And the new moon is trying to the asteroid Ceres. And Ceres is in Sagittarius. And I think that the significance of this is um, the ability to depersonalize, as I was saying, to allow things to come and go, to find accountability and to make meaning with something and to position ourselves uh, within that meaning. And so there's a a broadening and expanding of consciousness that feels like it's possible at the upcoming new moon, and also a positioning that's possible within our broadening consciousness. And so this is increasing self-awareness, which is really what Chiron brings, is increasing awareness of, oh, this is this is how I've been conditioned. This is my position. That's what it feels like. You won't necessarily change. You're always going to have, you know, the conditioning and you can start to reprogram. That's what it feels like at the new moon. And then uh, we get into the the end of the month and it's kind of a, a special uh, zodiacal month in that there are two full moons in Libra. And... Um, 
I don't know how often that happens, but the last day and the first day of Aries season are marked by Libra full moons. And in the full moon at the end of the month, and I will check in with you again at that point and give you another collective horoscope, um, we have a, a pretty tense aspect between the sun and the moon and Saturn and Pluto. And the idea that we integrate our personal awareness through our understanding of relationship, but that in our relationships with one another, we change systems. We shift paradigms. And the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn uh, on a global scale is about shifting a paradigm and making some new rules, allowing the things that don't work, that are excessive, that are out of alignment, that are out of integrity to fall away, killing them, letting them go. And, uh, disciplining ourselves to try something new. So in summary, look at your chart this month, wherever Aries is for you, this is a place where over the course of the next eight to nine years, you are doing a lot of healing. You really want to understand your position, your personness, your selfhood in this part of your life. How has it formed there? How do you relate with it? So if you listen to the horoscopes intro and you hear me go, oh, well, for you, Aries is in, you know, the place of the chart that has to do with your career, then what is the identity structure around your career? around the ambition. If you hear me say, oh, Aries is the part of your chart that has to do with um, your creativity. How do you relate in your individuality to your creative practice? You understand? So however you apply your uh, intro to to what I'm saying, um, that's how you make it personal for you. So Aries is a place where it is being really stimulated right now. This is your life. How are you going to be yourself? What do you want to bring into it? How can you heal um, and, and recollect the parts of yourself that have been wounded and shut off and cast away? Wherever Libra is for you, this is a place where you can learn about yourself through your relationships in this part of your chart. There's a lot of work for you to do in this place around relationships, especially this month. Wherever Taurus is for you, this is a place where you're shifting your value systems, where you want to innovate, you want to update, you want to experiment with new ways of being in your body, uh, new ways of relating to the material realm. Wherever Capricorn is for you, this is a place where you are getting real. You're cutting away, you're letting go of what is not working. You need to be brutally honest with yourself. And you're gearing up to make new rules. <laughs> and finally, wherever Pisces is for you, spend some time there. Whatever part of your life Pisces is describing, this is a place where you have access to some kind of spiritual experience. And if you hear me say something like, oh, Pisces is the part of your chart that has to do with your everyday jobs and tasks. I literally mean spend time with your chores and it's a Zen practice. You know, you, you, 
enlightenment and then chop more wood or do the laundry or something like that. Like how can you bring attention to the subtle details of a divine experience and constantly shifting reality in your chores? So wherever Pisces is, this is a place where a lot of information can uh, come through this month. There's a lot of downloads happening, especially in the next um, two weeks or so. And give yourself some space there. Give yourself space to abide and rest and be curious. It's a very dreamy, open space. All right, so I'm going to leave it there with the collective horoscope, with the month ahead. Look for Aries. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Check in with me again in a couple of weeks at the Aries new moon. I'm going to do a shorter horoscope, give you a little bit more of a new moon update. And um, in about a month, I'll be back with the Taurus month ahead. Um, Make sure to listen to the intros once again to apply this astrology to your chart. And I have some uh, new offerings. So anyone who's Aries Sun or Aries Rising, check out the birthday report. Um, it's an expanded horoscope for your kind. Along with a half an hour recording and expanded horoscope, you also get a PDF of important upcoming planetary transits and aspects. Um, it's there for your reference. So you can take advantage of the astrological energy this year. It's your birthday report goes from March of 2019 through March of 2020. It is very affordable at $15, $10 for subscribers. Another reason to become a subscriber is to get that discount. Um, and of course, you can get it as a gift for all of your Aries loved ones. Um, also, check out my upcoming classes. If you go to embodiedastrology.com and click on play and learn, um, I've got some new online classes. On April 6th, I'll be teaching a workshop on Chiron. It's called Reconnecting the Separated Self. I mentioned that earlier. It's an exploration of Chiron in general as an astrological figure of Chiron in Aries and this transit. And then I'll give you tools for understanding Chiron in your own chart. And we'll do, um, it's three hours, but we're not spending the whole three hours looking at a screen. So I'm going to have some meditations and embodiment practices and um, it will be recorded as well. So you can uh, get it at a later date or practice with it um, as much as you want. That also will have some handouts with it. I love the handouts. And then a month later on, I think it's May 4th, I'm teaching another online workshop um, for Uranus and Taurus. This workshop is called Elemental Economics. And the entire structure of the workshop itself is an experiment in rethinking uh, resources and money in particular from kind of an elemental view. So we're going to use astrology to unpack a little bit of our own relationship with money, but then we're going to kind of bring in some different like biology and system science and um, just play around with different ideas as to how we can relate with resources and money. So definitely check that out as well. Um, Finally, I'm really excited about the subscriber service. It's changing quite a lot. I think it's getting better. I think it gets better every month. And uh, this month I started experimenting with drawing calendars for the month ahead. Um, So I've been working with the bullet journaling method. And over the course of the next couple months, I'm going to continue to develop this. So check it out and give me feedback. If you're working with the calendars, I would really love to hear from you. Um, And in the monthly journals, you'll get... um, a pretty 
uh, hefty piece of writing. Um, so this month I wrote a, a longer kind of exploration on Chiron and Aries. You get the writing for the month ahead where I go through um, all the planetary um aspects, the different relationships they're making, um, sign ingresses, etc., where I talk about the new moon, the full moon, the quarter moons, etc. Um, and then you get tools for interpreting and working with astrology on your own. And then of course, subscribers also get discounts with all of the classes with the Aries season reports, um, and other things. So please check that out too. And finally, if you're wanting to know how astrology is working really specifically for you, book a reading with me. Um, I have sessions available. I work with people all the time by phone and Skype. Most of my clients are not where I am, in fact, but I also live in Portland, Oregon. And if you're around, you can come see me. Um, I'll make you a cup of tea and we'll look at your astrology charts. And this is a great way to um, really get a much more in-depth understanding of your personal astrology. And you can find information about my sessions uh, also at embodiedastrology.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. Um, if you ever want to send feedback, I read it all. Um, I don't always respond. Sometimes I'm not great at replying to emails, um, but if they're urgent, then I will. And I've been getting some really sweet feedback from people. You know, if you want to let me know that you love the podcast or you love the work, I always love to hear that. And if you have an idea of how it can be better, please let me know. Um, I'm just doing this project because I love it. I'm slowly learning about podcasting and, um, you know, the other things and really open to your feedback. So thanks for sending it and happy full moon. The full moon is exact pretty much right now and I'm enjoying it, feeling those Chiron, Aries, Libra vibes, and I'm going to go be in relationship now and hope that uh, the planets will align to make that an easeful experience. So sending you much love. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.